welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is a podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. Have you joined our groups, Motorsport Fitness or our Motorsport Sponsorship page? Race over to at MotivateT on Facebook, scroll down to groups and come over and join us. Today we have free tips and strategies to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. On today's show, episode 76, I'm joined by the one and only Michael Italiano, who is Dana Ricardo's coach. We talk about how he got into his role, what his role actually is, what they've been doing during COVID-19, and some great tips about getting started on your motorsport fitness program. Hope you really enjoyed the show, guys, as much as I did. Grab that pen and paper, enjoy your coffee, and let's welcome Michael to the show. Hi guys, Alex Yarn here, go-kart racer from Queensland. I've been with Motivate for about a year now, and I've definitely benefited from her and her crew. Nutrition, social media, sponsorship, and exercise is what she helps me with. She also does mental strength as well. I'm looking forward to my journey ahead with Motivate Training. Well, I'm going to say good night, but it's good morning to you, Michael, over <laughs> in the UK, and welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. Hi, Blinda. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I am so excited. I know I say this every week, but, um, you know, I've got a follow-on personal training coach or personal coach uh, on today's show, and I'm looking forward to hearing your story and how it all come about. Um, just, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, Michael. Yes, it's quite crazy, actually. Um, a lot of people won't know this, but I, I actually started in the civil and structural engineering industry. So I was, I was studying civil and structural engineering, and I was working a, a nine to five office job for about seven years. Um, and during this time I was quite actively into sport and I was always, I always played competitive sport throughout, I think since I was the age of five. So I was, uh, I was playing AFL. Um, so, you know, that was uh, taking up a lot of my, my time as well. I was playing at quite a serious, um, serious level. So um, I always had a passion for health and fitness and, um, I kind of had a bit of a moment at my at my office desk <laughs> and I kind of thought to myself, you know, if, if I'm sitting in this desk in, in 10 years' time, would I be happy? And uh, the answer was no. So I, I picked up some books for some motivation and I, I picked up a book by Robert Kiyosaki. It's a popular book. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah, read it. Wow. And I, uh, yeah, great. And I, I read that and it, it talked about the fear aspect of, of uh, you know, fear that and how it can, uh, it can prevent you from... <laughs> A lot of life lessons and life decisions and so I, I kind of I took that book on board and I thought no that's uh let's let's do something that I'm passionate about and health and fitness was something I was extremely passionate about so I started studying and um before you know it I, I became a, a strength and conditioning coach in Perth and I started um started uh, started my own my own company um as as a sole trader and started uh, helping a whole range of athletes so a lot of afl boys rugby boys um golfers mixed martial arts um, a lot of corporates as well um, um i actually had a lot, lot of mothers as well so it was, it was it was a full full range of clientele and, and i really enjoyed it um it was it was so rewarding um and uh yeah it kind of happened real quickly to be honest i kind of transitioned quite quickly and then uh before you know it uh, Daniel randomly 
offered me the job at the end of 2017. So I, I say randomly, we were friends, um, but we never really initially discussed any type of potential of taking our friendship to, to a business level. So it did come randomly. And um, yeah, I, uh, I happily accepted at the end of 2017. And yeah, I'm in, in my third year in Formula One. And uh, it's, been a, it's been really, really eventful. And it's been a, a real big eye opener into, into the realm of F1. And no, I wouldn't change it for, for anything. It's, it's been amazing. And so did you meet Daniel through the West Coast Eagles? <laughs> How did that relationship come about? No, I, I met him, I think, we, I think we were about like 11 years old. So I, through oh, mutual wow. friends. Yep. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, we were friends, but we, we didn't see each other much because I think by the age of 14, 15, he was already off to, to Italy, um, aspiring to become a, a Formula One driver. So, you know, he'd probably only come back once a year in December for Christmas to see friends and family. So I'd probably only see him once or twice a year, but we always kept in contact, um, you know, through social media and through, uh, you know, WhatsApp and whatnot, you know, the, that's the, the beauty about technology these days. So, um, yeah, we always stayed in touch. And when he come back, we do a little bit of training together. But when I, what I mean by training is I, I wasn't the coach. It was just more friend, friend and friend, go for a run or, you know, do, you know, do a workout together because he knew I was, I had similar interests. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was quite humbling to, to get him to see me, um, you know, give me the opportunity, but also believe in me as a coach to, to help him, you know, again, aspire to his big dreams of becoming a world champion. And so, Michael, when you got that phone call or the WhatsApp message or email, uh, what, what first went through your mind? Like, what, what happened? Like, how did it all come about? Was it a phone call? Was it an email? And did you go, yeah, yeah like you're saying, like you had a, a fantastic um, experience training AFL and rugby and, and the, the, the other mums and dads. So, yeah, what made you go, you know what, I'm going to pursue this? Yeah, I actually, I actually remember it quite fondly. I, I, I woke up at five o'clock in the morning because usually I had clients at 6am. I had some corporate clients at 6am that like to get their, their day started early. Yep. Uh, and I remember waking up and I, and I had a WhatsApp message at about 3.15am. So obviously it was and from Daniel um, and obviously because he was in Europe. So the time difference. Um, and I, I, I read it half asleep because I literally just picked up my phone and it, it said something along the lines of, Hey mate, would you like to travel the world with me next year? And you put a question mark. Um, and there wasn't much context with, with the message. So him being a bit of a joker and, you know, we, we have a bit of a, a humorous relationship. So I kind of took it as a bit of a joke. Um, so I kind of told him to bugger off. I, I, I just completely blew off the message um, and sent him some, I sent him something like completely cheeky back. Um, and then I think during that day, um, he actually called me and, and said, no, I'm, I'm actually serious. Um, would you be, would you be interested in sitting down when I'm back in December and, and talking through it? So, uh, so yeah, that's when I kind of sat back and thought, Oh wow. Okay. He's, um, he's serious. You know, this is something I need to consider. So, um, and, and it kind of happened all quick, you know, we sat down at the end of December and he's kind of like, you know, preseason starts January. So I'm, I'm going to need you to move your life in, to Europe, uh, you know, in uh, late Jan. So I had about <laughs> 30 days to, to not only decide, but then, you know, take my whole life to Europe and, and move to Europe. So it was, it was actually mayhem uh, in January, trying to prepare everything. And it was probably only until I actually landed in, in London and, 
and got my little flat set up that I actually sat back and kind of pinched myself and thought, okay, um, this is what's happening. I didn't really have time uh, in Perth to kind of digest it all because it was just such a big rush to try and get everything sorted. Um, so yeah, it was it was a bit of a shock, and you know I still get these these more these mornings where I wake up and pinch myself for sure. It's 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 a great it's a great lifestyle, and it's it's, it's a great job. And I was thinking that after I sent through the questions, I didn't ask anything about family. Did you leave a partner behind for you to take up this career opportunity? And and how did you go <laughs> family? And and as you said, you had a, a successful business. So how did you, um, I guess, palm that off or wrap that up or trans, you know, transport that over to the online business or whatever it is now? Um, but yeah, more so about the family aspect of it. As you said, it kind of just transpired over six weeks or eight weeks. Did you? Yeah, exactly. No, good, good, good question. So obviously, I left a lot of family behind. Um, I, I have a partner, so she, so she, fortunately, came with me. Oh, um, so that was a bit of a discussion that we had to have. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, she was, uh, she was all for the journey. So, um, it's, it's been, it was, it was quite a smooth transition. Um, believe it or not, it's kind of got to London, had to, you know, figure the place out. Um, it was way too cold for me. I, I had to buy. Had to the weather coming from Perth, but yes. <laughs> no, we didn't. I had to buy a whole new uh, wardrobe, um, yeah. believe it or not, because uh, jumpers that are, that are made in Australia, they're not built for a European weather. They go straight through uh, the wind here. So, um, yeah, it took a bit, of, a bit of getting used to, but um, I guess because the job was so busy and I, and I had to pretty much jump on a plane once I was settled, I had to head to, head to Monaco for pre-season training. I, I think because it was... Because it was just such go go go, um, it, I didn't really get time to to sit back and maybe miss home or or get 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 homesick or something. You know, something that's probably quite common. But because it, it was my first time living away from home, so I wasn't too sure how I was going to go. But because we were such a go go go, you didn't really have much time to think. You just kind of had to <laughs> just roll roll with the punches. Yeah. Yeah, and so well, that's fantastic that your partner went with you to to go on this journey with you. Um, yeah. What was the first thing? Like, have you been involved in motorsports before? Like, have you been to any of Daniel's races before or watched it? Were you a fan? Uh, how did you get behind the biomechanics behind it all? Yeah, another good question. Um, so I wasn't massively into motorsport. I obviously followed Daniel because he's my friend. So uh, I think in 2010, maybe, I went and saw him for, I went and saw a race um, it, Silverstone when he was racing in uh, Renault World Series. Um, actually, no, sorry, 2010. I got my, um, I think I got my bearings on. He was like 2008, so it's earlier, earlier than that. Um, 2010, I'm pretty, he was way past Renault um, World Renault Series. Um, and then 2013, I went to Austin to watch him race in Austin. So I was always following his journey, um, and I was predominantly following motorsports because of him. Yeah. Um, so and then now, obviously, it's it's distilled into my life and um you know because i'm so heavily involved in it i I obviously want to know a lot about the sport i want to know a lot about the car and why things are done why you know and how how things are are created and you know why you're setting up the car a certain way and i think that helps me um do my job a a lot a lot better so yeah to answer to, to really sum up your question um i wasn't overly interested in it but I was always I was always super interested when Daniel was was making his way up because it's it's a friend that's 
getting a step closer to his dream year by year. And, you know, that's, that's quite inspirational when you, when you have someone on a, you know, as a close friend, that's, that's doing, doing great things in the world. Yeah. So um, as it comes to feedback, you're saying about the car and getting that data analysis. I'm on this big mission at the moment um, that I'm trying to find a biomechanist or some sort of, data vests that motorsport drivers can have over here in Australia. Um, we seem obviously mm -hmm. a lot of data from the vehicle, but when it comes to the human performance side of things, um, there's limited um, things that we can get from the driver other than normal heart rate and things like that. Um, do you have anything special over there that you were able to get that information or can you get that information on test days more so than um, race days? Uh, believe it or not, we can't. Um, we're, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, the drivers are quite restrictive on, on, on what devices they can have on them during a race. And usually if it is a device on him, it's, it's, it's owned by the FIA. So they have the, the rights to the... To, to the data um, and it's it's actually quite difficult to get um, I'm, I'm still actually trying um, I wish I had a better answer for you but uh, no it's it, the data that we have is purely when we're training um, and usually when he's racing I will focus on other um, aspects of, of his performance um, rather than yeah like you said his, his heart rate and, and yeah, his yeah. body temperature and, and, and stuff like that that's right. Like I feel like a passive. I don't feel like we've got any technology to help us support those things at the moment. So, if you're working yeah. on something, let me know. <laughs> no, there's um there's some amazing companies doing some really innovative stuff with with F1, and you know they they've uh, they've come quite a long way. You know, like drivers now wear a, a little device in their glove which tracks their pulse, um, and this is mainly from a, a safety point of view. So. If there is, if anything does um, seem to happen to any of the drivers, and whether they they go off track, and they can they can track their pulse, and and it makes them it makes them understand whether they actually have to attend to the car oh. as quick as possible, or if they know the driver is in a safe state. And um, I know there's some talks about um, transferring that little device into the ear, so into their earpieces, so that way they don't have to wear this little device on their wrist. So there's there's definitely a headway, but um, as a coach trying to get that information, it's actually, it's a lot more difficult, unfortunately, because uh, that would be a, uh, that would be pure gold actually to have. That's what I think too. And I don't understand yeah. in um, a sport that we're in, um, you know, as well participated is throughout the world that we don't have anything like a sport, like swimming, um, cycling, they all seem to have that data analysis, but unfortunately for us, we don't at this point, but Adi just said they are working on something. So fingers crossed. Yeah, you're awesome. not alone. Yes, I'm very excited. Um, so, Michael, you've gone to the UK, you've packed up your partner, you've moved into a freezing cold location. Um, you've got there. What was the first thing that you guys did together? Um, was it pre-season now in January? Uh, I've read previously that um, Daniel did do a lot of um, martial arts for pre-season training. Is that kind of how you started out? Like, what was the first thing? No, we, we didn't do any of that. That, that was... That was <laughs> Uh, that was pre me. Um, right. I actually flew. I flew straight to Monaco, yeah. and uh, we literally. I hopped on a plane, got there, and um, I said, "Cool, let's start training." And he said, "Well, what do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, this is a really nice, beautiful place. How about you take me for a run?" So uh, <laughs> we actually uh, we actually went for a run, and then we went for a bit of a. I think we went for a walk to try and 
just for a big hike and it ended up being like a three three hour hike where we just started hiking through France and so it was almost like a session slash hey mate this is uh this is where I'm living get used to it because this is where we're going to be for, for a lot of the time and um I, I remember it I remember it quite well as it was a beautiful summer summer's morning in in Monaco and there's oh, a I love Monaco. <laughs> it's beautiful I could live yeah there. <laughs> yeah and yeah well there's a there's an amazing uh running track along the coast um and it's it's yeah it's it's a very popular running track and so we we went for and i never get sick of that running track by the way um, um i'm actually heading to monaco tomorrow so i'll probably do that uh next 48 hours it's uh <laughs> no but I, I say that like it's it's an amazing place to train like um it's it's very quiet um and that's why I, that's why i like it because you know, the, the F1 circuit and the F1 schedule is so hectic. You know, wherever we go, there's so many people, there's so many things to do. You don't really get time to to do things for yourself. So it is nice to go to Monaco um, and just have no distractions and just be, just mellow out, really. Yeah, I see Voltry lives there as well. And he seems to do a lot of cycling with his partner um, throughout. Yeah. The, is it still called the Alps? I don't know. The mountains there. Um, but it always looks quite scenic as well. Yeah, a number of the drivers live there. There's quite, there's quite a few of them that live there. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a little F1 hub. Yeah, fantastic. So you've met up, you've gone to Monaco, you've gone on this hike on a run, and then you're like, okay, cool. So day one, like this is your only client now. Your sole purpose now is to get him to be number one on the podium and to get him finishing number one. So what do you do um, as far as your position goes? Yeah, that was probably the hardest thing to adapt is knowing that I don't, you know, I was spending day by day just, you know, following up on, you know, all my clients and making sure that everyone's on top of their, you know, their nutrition, their, their programs. And all of a sudden now it's like, oh, wow, yes. it's got one person. Yeah. Um, so uh, as busy as race weekends are and race weeks are, there's, there are gaps in between where, you know, you do, you do have a lot of spare time on your hands and it's, it's, it kind of took a while to, to get used to it. But um, yeah, during, during our off season, well, it's technically pre-season, um, we'll do a number of various, um, various training methods. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of strength training, do a lot of cardiovascular training, um, neck training, obviously. And then when, when we get closer to the season, I'll start incorporating some reaction training, peripheral training, and, and starting to sharpen him neurally and get, get him ready for, for testing in Barcelona. Awesome. So, yeah, definitely like neck cardio. So when it comes to the cardio, I see the guys do a lot of um, bike riding and, as you said, mm -hmm. um, like running through the outs and different altitude training and things like that. Did they do anything else? Um, anything like we don't know, like rock climbing or anything like that? Uh, we, we actually don't. We actually don't cycle. Um, it's, it's, yes, I, I, I'm, that's not me saying there's no benefits in cycling. Um, it's kind of at the point where we kind of, we enjoy the outdoors, but we actually enjoy running a lot, a lot more. So, um, you know, we, we mix up our running quite a lot. You know, we'll do some long endurance running and then we'll do some interval running and um, there's all, all sorts of stuff that you can do from, from, a, from a running um, perspective. Yeah. Um, that's mainly what we do uh cardio wise and then sometimes we go for, for long long big hikes as well um but yeah not not so much cycling as such and he and he also uh 
he hates the rower, so I don't I don't get him on the rower at all. He uh he prefers to get outdoors when we do when we do his cardio. So uh yeah, it's it's usually it's it's usually um it's usually running. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, because you're an avid runner yourself. I've seen those from the post, so that's good for you that you yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, and you know what, you you see more, and um it's it's a good way of getting out in a bit of nature. It's a good excuse. Exactly, like every time I travel. Um, with the race teams as well. I always make a point of every morning getting up that extra hour early at five or six o'clock in the morning and going for a run and actually seeing where I'm visiting as opposed yeah. to you know, going the track, going back and going back to the airport and flying out. So, you know, whether exactly. you're riding or swimming or yeah, going for a run, it's always good to get out before you head to the track. So, Michael, you talked about um, strengthening neck. Um, I'm sure you guys have got all the gizmos over there on about how to strengthen <laughs> your neck, but do you have any... Um, I guess, tricks or strategies for someone who's just starting out in motorsports about how they can go about strengthening their neck? Yeah, my advice would be start slow. Um, you'd be surprised how heavy you, your head is. Um, and, when, and, and that's something that you, you, you gauge quite quickly when you start actually doing some neck training. So um, usually starting out, I always recommend doing um, some safe neck nods and some safe neck rotations. And this is, this is lying on your back on the floor with your feet, your feet up crossed. Um, and, you know, I, I usually set, set a bit of a, a rep range of 20, 20. So 20, uh, 20 neck nods and 20 neck rotations are actually quite safe movements for, um, um, for anyone starting out trying to build their neck. But however, I will re- reiterate, start slowly so i'd probably go i'd probably start with 10 and 10 reps and 10 reps and 10 reps and probably do three sets of that and see how you pull up the next day um don't go do 20 reps and 20 reps and five rounds you, you probably won't be able to move your neck the next day <laughs> but um but yeah i'd start slowly and i'd also um i'd i'd seek appropriate advice you know there's there's a lot of there's a huge a lot of a lot of content on YouTube regarding neck training and you know how the NFL boys do it how the rugby boys do it and um yeah it it can be a little bit dangerous if you know you've got a uh, you know a, t- a teenager looking at this stuff and, and trying to incorporate that into their training you know i know um even boxers do some really really um interesting neck training um but yeah i'd say tread carefully and start slow um and and, and what i mean by that is i'd start with the, the pure body weight exercises so or head exercises where you're purely just you're working your neck based on the weight of your head um and yeah, it's that's something that's not really out there for, for, for these these type of drivers. I, I have noticed that. So um, I'm actually working on something um, to, to help to help all the junior drivers actually have a bit of a protocol when it comes to neck training and, and, and performance training. So yeah, I'm cre- I'm creating something which will hopefully be out um, sometime early next year um, as a bit of an you know ultimate training guide where people can actually grab this this training guide and it, and it gives them everything they need from a, from a racing perspective. So I'm quite excited about that. Fantastic. Well, sounds very exciting. Make sure you keep us into the loop and you can email me when it's up and ready and I'd be happy to promote it for you over here in Oz. Thank you. No, I definitely will. Um, and so now Michael, you've got this gear, you've gone for a run, you've worked at the 2018 racing season. How do you plan as his personal coach, what the training looks like? Did you do macro cycles? Like you said, there's a lot of uptime, downtime. Then sometimes yeah. you have race meetings back to back in the same country. I'm interested to also know um, how do you deal with the international um, timeline and sleep and, and things like that. 
so many questions yeah. I can see. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's but but that kind of well, sums up the sport, right? It's <laughs> it's no, it's an intricate sport. It's it's so so it's so detailed, you know. Um, it, it's a good question because like when I first started with him, I had this perception that we're just going to be training, training, training. So I, I grabbed the yearly schedule um, and where all the gaps were. I was like, cool, you know, I'm going to periodize some training here. We're going to do a really cool, you know, heat acclimation sessions here through here to, to you know, prepare for Budapest and whatnot. And then, um, you know, come in season, I realized it, it's not all about training. Um, yes, you need them. It's, it's all about maintaining, you know, um, it's, it's pretty much like, Kind of any sport you know you want once 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 an athlete's match fit it's about maintaining and focusing on recovery so in season is a lot about recovery um and then you and you've touched on a, a little bit a little bit um as to why is because of the whole uh flying scenario and being uh severely jet lagged for, for a lot of the international flights so um in season is more about maintenance we if anything, we will train the neck a lot just to keep it strong um, because you, you need, you need to keep the neck strong because these guys are experiencing a lot of G force throughout, throughout the races. Um, these cars every year get quicker and quicker and quicker. Therefore there's more G force exerted on these guys necks. So the neck has to stay well conditioned throughout. Um, probably won't see me putting a barbell on Daniel's back and doing a lot of strength training th throughout the, the in season. I think neurally he needs to he needs to rest. So, um, yeah, fo solely focused on recovery. You know, we 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 have some jet lag protocols. Um, you know, and that you know to give you a bit of a, a a brief a brief info on that. You know, it's it's all about timing of uh, you know transitioning your sleep your sleep patterns. So come Monday, you know, it, it might be go to bed an hour earlier, and then the Tuesday go to bed two hours earlier, and then you slowly transition into the time zone when we land on the, on the Wednesday or the Thursday. And it also has information about when you should expose yourself to UV light and when you shouldn't expose yourself to UV light. And then it also has some really, uh, really cool uh, little patterns of um, caffeine timing. So caffeine timing will, will help a lot as well with, with, uh, with jet lag. So, so yeah, in a, in a nutshell, in seasons, a lot about recovery, sleep, um, appropriate supplementation. So, um, you know, a lot of magnesium, <laughs> And uh, just just doing the basics right because uh, we're not privileged to have, you know, like a, like a like a football club. We we can't just walk into a football club and have you know state of the art ice baths and and facility and recovery facilities. You know, we'd love to have that, but we're in a different country every seven days, so we can only do what what we have. Um, so it's it's about doing the basics right. Do you not have an ice bath in the transporter? We have a portable one that we, that we, I think, oh, maybe like three or four races we'll, we'll put together and, and, and use it. But um, usually after race, we got to flight that night. So it's, it's, it's an engineering meeting and then it's shower, pack your bags, I'll make him a quick recovery smoothie and off we go. So uh, yeah. And then you're on a plane and you're, you're, you're still a bit uh, amped, you know, you're still wired. And if you can't sleep on the plane and then it's like, oh, geez. So, uh, yeah, it's Sundays are tough. And does, or do you do any massage therapy with Daniel? Or does he have a massage therapist to help like with the recovery and, um, you know, uh, prior to race events? 
Yeah, so mostly every F1 team has a has a massage therapist. So um, if he has a bit of a niggle here or there, they can uh, he can get a massage. But um, but yeah, we, we have we have uh, we have like a we have theraguns everywhere at the moment. So uh, we got we got that with us mostly all the time. So if anything, I'll just get a theragun into him in, in into the into his muscles that you know he needs it needs attention. So um, but yeah, to answer your question, most. Uh, most F1 teams have a, um, a sports therapist as such. That way, if, if mechanics um, need, any, need any treatment, they can they can get it done. So, because uh, yeah, you'd be surprised. These mechanics, they are uh, they they they're extreme workers. They they work like like sixteen hour days. And you know, if there's one thing that I've noticed is like they're always you know popping out a, a rib or something because they're picking up so many tires and so many heavy things throughout the day. It's just yeah, you, these these teams definitely need um, a sports therapist slash physiotherapist uh, on board. So um, we're quite lucky where we 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 have a resource there. That's fantastic, and I'm a big advocate of trying to promote that the pit crew is just as important as the driver. And when it does they come definitely to all, like when it comes to all of this that we're talking about, wellness, health, fitness, mindset, that the pit crew should be included as well because they just attribute. To, to the performance as much as the driver does. So I hear you. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. <laughs> I'm all for it. But do tell us, what is a Theragun for those that don't know? Okay, so it's, it's just essentially a massage gun. So yeah, you just... Like it's it, Yeah, pretty much. And it's um, it, it's really good for, for recovery, for trigger pointing. But um, it's also really good for, um, I don't know, something that probably people don't, if people do have a Theragun, they're probably not too aware of. It's actually really good for uh, pre-activation. So getting it on uh, the muscles that you're predominantly going to use before your session, training session or, or game day. So um, we use it for as a pre-activation strategy as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's exciting. All right, so Mark, we spoke about during the seasons, it's about recovery. Beforehand, the pre-seasons, a lot of running, um, conditioning side of things. Um, do you have an off season? Do you guys get a month or two off that you actually get to come home and enjoy some sunshine other than the last couple of months when you guys have been in lockdown over in Perth, but normally throughout a race season? Yeah, definitely. So usually the last race finishes around the 1st to the 4th of December. So that's kind of when we, uh, we head back to Perth and I, and I say kindly to Daniel, um, delete my number and uh, spend <laughs> some time with you, with your friends and family. Cause uh you know, the season is, I think it's the longest, one of the longest sporting uh, seasons in the world. You know, we start in March and end in December. It's crazy. Um, so come December, I say, look, he, get, he gets the entire month off. Um, you know, I, I, I don't hear from him. He doesn't hear from me. It's, it's, you know, it's actually important that me and him actually have a bit of cold turkey from each other because we're spending so much time together. Um, it, you know, it, it can get quite full on. So um, I won't hear from him in December. Um, and that's my time to, to go away and plan January, February, March, and also spend time with my family and friends that I haven't seen. Um, and then, yeah, come first week of Jan, we're, uh, we're back into it. We're ready to, we're ready to rock. I'm going to ask you a personal question and you can decline if you wish, but does your partner attend the race meetings with you, Michael, or how does that work? As you said, you're away pretty much like 20 weekends a year. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah. She, uh, not, not all of them. Like, the ones that can work. So usually the European races generally work because um, 
oh, living in London, you, you realize you can just jump on a plane or a train for two hours and you're in a new country. Like it's, it's, it's so amazing. It's and it's, so yeah, it is bizarre, especially when you come from Australia. So, um, yes, to answer, to, to answer your question, yes, most, some, most of the Europeans, um, when she can, but, um, obviously this year, no, because, <laughs> uh, there's no fans allowed, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's one of the, I guess it's one of the privileges we have of living quite central um, in London and you, you, and I think like 70% of the calendars in Europe. So it's, it's quite easy to, to, ju- to jump on somewhere on a Friday and, and get back before work on Monday. So and it's always great that we start off the F1 season over here in Oz. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's amazing. It's really good. Great weather, but great excuse to come back really. Yeah, fantastic. So apart from the physical aspect of Daniel's training, what else do you assist him with? Do you help with nutritional mindset or does he have other coaches for that as well? You did mention about doing some sort of supplementation, but do you work with um, a sports dietitian, um, sports psych, or are you it? Uh, I'm pretty much it. So I'll do his, I'll do his training, I'll do his nutrition, I'll do his supplementation. Um, and then come race weekends, it's the same. I'm pretty much the guy that prepares him to perform. Um, that, that's not saying we don't get any external help. So that there are there are partners out there that you know we we do talk to and, and, and get some advice on, on, on particular things. But um, when it comes to organising all that and, and setting all that up, that's 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 me. So uh, yeah, it it's busy. Like it, it keeps me busy, especially race weekends. It's it's full on. Yeah, so can you talk us through what happens on a race weekend? How do you warm up or what, what, what is your role on a race weekend? And when does your role start? Does it start on Wednesday? Well, you have Wednesday, Thursday to just have it yeah. somewhere quietly and, and <laughs> the track on Friday whilst he's doing all the sponsorship things? Yeah, well, well, my role never stops. So, yes, we get to a particular country for the race, but my role once, it's, once we get to, a, to the track doesn't really change from what it was, you know, um, outside the track, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still training him. I'm still preparing him, still making sure that he's mentally, um, mentally fit and, and, and mentally on, on task. So, um, you know, we usually, we usually land on a Wednesday for, for most European races when it comes to international races and there's a tougher time zone difference. We'll probably land on like the Monday or Tuesday and try to get, you know, three or four days to adapt to the time zone. Um, Thursday is very, very casual um, for me. <laughs> for Daniel, it's all media commitments. So he's running around Thursday doing a lot of media stuff. Um, it's usually half a day at the track. And then, so, you know, we'll fly in usually on a, on a Wednesday. We'd, we'd probably do some sort of light movement sessions on, on, on the Wednesday night just because we've been on a flight and we've been sitting down. So usually we just got, get on a spin bike and do a light cycle um, at the hotel gym just to keep the, promote the blood flow. Um, and then Thursday morning we do like, I have a, I've created like a, a dynamic um, flow session where we just do some dynamic warm-ups for uh, 45 minutes. Um, and that's something that I've incorporated into Daniel's morning routine and it's helped him quite a lot. Um, and then Thursday, yep, like I said, he'll have his, uh, his media commitments. And then Friday and Saturday are big, big days at the track. We're probably at the track for 14 hours, I reckon, probably... Yeah, 12 to 14 hours we're at the track on a Friday and Saturday. So that's when you've got your, your two practice sessions on Friday and then your, practice, your third practice and the qualifying on the Saturday. Um, so Daniel's running around doing that. He has engineering meetings. He has meet and greets. And then in between that, I'm, uh, I'm you know, liaising with the chefs to get particular meals ready at particular times because he only has 
particular amount of time to eat. So, you know, meal timing, um, you know, I'm always making sure that he's got a water bottle in his hands. So, you know, hydration protocols. So I'm always, I'm just that guy that's just kind of like putting that, putting that drink on the table when he's forgotten it. And then, you know, um, yeah, putting the meal in front of him when he's forgotten, um, giving him his subs, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, just making sure that it's pretty much making his life as easy as it can be. Um, and, and that's what he needs. He needs to be able to go to a race weekend and, and, and have some sort of convenience there in the palm of his hand. So I'm pretty much there just to make his life convenient. So making sure that he doesn't have to worry about his food, doesn't have to worry about his nutrition, um, um, his supplementation, doesn't have to worry about his training because I'm there to do it for him. So, um, and that kind of helps him, I guess, mentally as well, because, you know, you don't want a stressed driver heading into Sunday. And Martha, I'm not saying Daniel's a diva, but questioning, uh, when it comes to accommodation bedding, do you have to ring up and say he likes a hard bed with four pillows that are extra hard and soft? <laughs> All of those five-star restaurants, uh, five-star hotels, sorry, do have those options. But it, it, like, definitely is that how in-depth that you're going, saying he'd like a hard or soft bed, this and that kind of pillow? Um, not, not the bed. Um... So to answer your question, it's kind of most hotels we stay where the team recommends because that's where the team most like usually that's if, if the team stays at a particular hotel, they, they prefer all the staff stay at that particular hotel. So um, you kind of just roll with that. Um, and regarding a pillow, I've just we've kind of just um, purchased a travel pillow. So it's 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 a memory foam pillow that, that rolls up and it can sit, fit in your, your suitcase and. Um, I make sure that Daniel travels with that um, on planes as well. So when we're flying, um, I make sure that he has it on him. So that way he can, he can uh, use it on the flight and then he obviously uses it in the hotel. But, um, but yeah, we, we, we do quite a bit. We have some, uh, some pretty fancy uh, eye masks that we we've incorporated that are quite comfortable and um, yeah, uh, quite a little, little, little tricks of the trade here and there on, on a flight as well, how to get optimal sleep. But um but no, I've nothing to do with the mattress. <laughs> it's an interesting one, but uh, it's look, look, it, it could, it's definitely, um, it's definitely warranted for some athletes for sure. But, uh, but I think the pillow has been the main difference for Daniel. Sometimes he's woken up with a bit of a stiff neck because um, the pillows are too soft. So, um, as you can tell, having a stiff neck to to drive a car is not ideal. So, uh, hence, hence getting him a, a pillow that he uh, he prefers. Yeah, and hence the question I asked about the bedding and you know. Yeah. Does he take appropriate things with you? Um, let's move on to his mental well-being or mental prep um, prior to a race meet. Um, again, mm -hmm. that's something that you're involved in. Uh, we know that he loves putting his headphones on. Well, that's what we see um, at, on the TV um, and to, to psych himself up prior to the race. Is there more to it? Are you guys doing a briefing session uh, prior to qualifying, prior, um, prior to each um, you know, race event? Or how does his mental prep work? You do, you yeah, do. that's fine. Um, I won't go into too much detail because that's our that's our little uh, that's our little uh, you know that's me and Dan. But that's me and Dan's time. But I, I will uh, I will vaguely run over it. So usually we get about forty five minutes before the race. So that's when we we go through some dynamic stretching. We do some uh, pre muscle activation um, techniques. Um, we'll do some movement stuff to, to some spinal movement stuff to to get him neurally switched on and then. Um, and then, yeah, we, we usually that morning we'll, we'll talk more about the race and where his head's at and, and what's he thinking. Um, and I'll throw some certain scenarios at him and, 
and just just get him just get him in the zone and get him thinking about the race ahead. You know, get him thinking about where he's situated on the grid for the starting grid. You know, you know what, what's your thoughts coming into turn one, two, and three, and just get him to you know, I'm I'm getting him thinking pretty much. Um, and when it comes to the the mental side of things, there's definitely um, I will say this from a from a psychological aspect of, of racing. I definitely think it, it's it's a big big part of racing. Um, but you ha you have to believe in it for it to work, um, and you can train your mind to do anything. I, I, that's that's something I do believe in, and it's I'm quite fortunate because Daniel does believe in the whole mental aspect of of training. So we will do some mental mental training, and I also will um, focus on his his mental side during a race. So you know his his temperament during particular you know, particular times in a race, you know, when he's attacking, when he's defending, how he reacts, um, is he reactive, um, a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of scenarios. But, um, but that's usually our race preparation for the 45 minutes. And then we'll just talk through about what our goals are and what we're going to achieve for the race. And then usually after the grid and the, and the, and the, the ceremony, um, sorry, the national anthem, I should say, um, we have about, eight minutes before we has, he has to jump in the car. Ten, sorry, about 10, 11 minutes before, before he has to jump in the car. So you usually see us walk into the garage after the national anthem. And that's when we do our final, final gear up. Um, and that's when we'll do some peripheral training, some reaction training. And that's when he will start to really ramp up. So I like, we, we like to stay in a bit of a relaxed state throughout the day, just to conserve the energy, conserve the mind. And then once we get in that garage, um, we start to really ramp up. So the energy ramps up from me, the energy ramps up from him, um, the music energy ramps up. So you start hearing his, his music starts getting quite heavier. Um, and, and he starts to really, you know, be in the moment and, and, and be ready for the race. So that's kind of usually how it goes. And then once we get onto the back on the grid, he has about three minutes to himself before he has to jump in the car. So that's when I'll let him sit on the grass with his music and, and let him, uh, I guess self-evaluate for himself. I think it's important that he has time to reflect on himself on, on what he needs to needs to do. And then I'll give him a last minute little prep talk before uh, before he puts the helmet on. And that's usually how it goes. And then what about on those rare occasions when the race plan doesn't go to, <laughs> to plan that we've seen previously, Michael? Are you the man that once once he comes in and he storms out of the garage? Um, that he comes and talks to, are you, are you the first person that's in his corner or how does that go down? And again, you don't need to devolve, you don't need, want to, but um, yeah, what happens when race plan doesn't go to plan? Yeah, and you know, that's that's racing, right? I think any yes. any any driver, whether you're an amateur or professional, you, you're, you're probably going to relate to that that question. And that's racing. One day, one day you're on the podium, the next day you, you could be out turn one. That's just how it, that's how it goes. And so racing is definitely an emotional roller coaster. You know, this this you know there, there can be there can be uh, weeks or, or months where you just you feel like you've got the monkey on your back, and then there's other months that just feel so feel like you've just got this amazing rhythm that no one can stop you. But um, but yeah, as a coach, that's definitely my role. My, my role is to be a sounding board um, a lot. You know, you have to understand what these guys are thinking. You have to understand why they're, why they're thinking the way they're thinking. Um, you have to know when to push them. You have to know when you're going to be, you know, a friend as such and, and sit back and listen. So you know, this is all. This is all about being a coach. You have to know you're the individual, and and yes. So so when Daniel does go back to, uh, you know, when when we do have have had 
a difficult uh, race as such, then we go back into the rooms. And yeah, then I'm the guy that will uh, they'll sit there and 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 talk him through it. And and that's that's part of the journey, right? That's part of uh, chasing the dream. You're going to have ups and you're going to have downs. Definitely fantastic. Um, I've got some questions for my social media pages, if you don't mind. Sure. Very exciting. There's just a couple. You've answered a few, so I'm not going to go over the ones I feel like we've answered. But Barb has Mm -hmm. asked, can you ask what exercises best stimulate the strength and endurance drivers need to compete? Hi, Barb. Um, Look, that question, you're probably not going to like the answer, but that depends. That depends on the athlete and, you know, you know, every individual is going to have, you know, weaker points than others. But, you know, as a general rule of thumb, um, I'd say work on, work on your core. So when I say core, um, your abs, your lower back, so your QLs, your, your glutes as well. Um, if you have a strong core base, I think being able to control the car, control the go-kart, um, through your hips, it's, it's going to go a long way into actually improving your driving capabilities. Yeah, I think people are standard over here, like when we um, give out programs for karting and beginner um, competitors, that it is a lot of body weight stuff, that it can be home-based, and they think, oh, well, the program must be crap because I'm not at the gym and I'm not doing heavy weights. Without, mm-hmm. you know, obviously just doing an online program, it's hard to explain, like, the importance of doing all of these things, you know, just, you know, doing the five-neck nods or something like that. They'll be like, oh, this is crap. Like, you know, I can do that at home. But, you know, biomechanical, like, we know as trainers and coaches that it's really important to be doing these exercises. But I think it's very hard for people who just think that athletes train in the gym, they do resistance training, and they get bulky, and that's, that's how they become a tra- driver. No, yeah, well, look, I, I think I think based on you know this this COVID scenario and being being in in home for three months, I think people's perception should change from that. If if that is the perception, um, you can most definitely train your core at a very very good standard with uh, literally nothing with body weight, and that's what me and Daniel have been doing for three months. You know, and, and he's hitting PBs with his core. So and and that's us just being at his farm. Um, training body weight so you know that's 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 other information that I'm going to obviously um, put on this uh, this 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 guide of mine so it's it's quite interesting that I'm, I'm glad that you uh, that that yeah that, that those questions are coming out because that's something that I see as well is that people people's perception is that they need a ton of equipment but uh, as long as you uh, you periodize and plan your training well and you have an optimal goal and, and you do the exercise correctly, you, there's no doubt you can, uh, you can definitely, definitely become a, 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 an improved athlete. Thanks for that, Michael. Well, Karina's asked, nutrition is important to training. What are the, the top three tips you give Daniel to keep stamina and strength? Okay, that's good. So we, we stick to a balanced diet. So making sure you get a, a, lot, of, a lot of greens, so eating a lot of your vegetables, that would be my, my number one. Um, getting sufficient amount of, of protein all right, for, for muscle recovery. Um, and understanding probably your, your carbohydrates timing as well, um, especially on, 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 on race days. So understanding when, when, what type of carbs and, and when you should eat your carbohydrates. But if anyone comes to me with some advice, I, I'd always say try and make sure that at least 50% of your plate has vegetables on it um, and it should be colourful. So when I say by colourful, it's just as many colours as you can on that plate, the better it is. 
Yeah, and we've just actually finished a recipe book that we're rolling out to all of the karting clubs cool. in Australia. So for them to serve healthy options, they can buy it in bulk, um, but then it can also be like tailored for vegans and vegetarians and plant-based diets and all of that stuff. So there's just 15 recipes, but breakfast, lunch, breakfast, lunch and snacks um and cool. um some drinks in there as well and just trying to get that continuity so that when the drives are going to the tracks if they do have any allergies or food preferences they know that they can um buy them there because i know from my perspective that a lot of the drivers who do have allergies or um prefer to eat a special way um do mm -hmm. struggle to to buy those um products at the canteens and then knowing that the canteen yeah. Do you obviously want to make a, uh, a profit as well, but unfortunately yeah. the old hot dogs, pies and hot chips and um, cans of Coke isn't really going to help our drivers going forward. So maybe Thanks. I can add that to your program. I'll send it through. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Karina and I, we also offer um, massage therapy at the racetracks, but uh, unlike every team having one, we just try and do it per racetrack. And so she's mm -hmm. asked, what part does soft tissue therapy, massage and physio have in Daniel's training and recovery? Like, is it regularly done? Yeah, so usually we will probably use some massage therapy quite a lot on the Thursdays, um, mainly because of the flight. So you, you're, you're a bit stiff on the Wednesday from the flight. Um, so we usually like to, to use a bit of massage therapy on the Thursday, loosen him up and make him just make him feel good for Friday because he's jumping in the car on the Friday. So Thursday is when we usually just you get a, a full body, just loosen up. Um, and then usually probably again on the Sunday as well. Um, unfortunately, we don't get um, the, the privilege to do it post race because we're pretty much on, on the road off, to, off, off on a flight. But Definitely, as soon as we land, I'll, I'll get the massage gun into him for sure. So um, it, it is definitely a, a big part of recovery, 100%. Have you ever had a fight? <laughs> Who, with Daniel? Yes. Um, like, like, do you ever just go, you know, like with your partner, like obviously like... Oh, no, I'm, I'm sure like... Husbands, you know, like your work husbands, your work husbands and wife. Like, you know, yeah, work just, husband, that's a good one. That's um, right. Like, do you ever just go, you know what, does he ever or you ever just go just you know because you guys do spend a lot of time together yeah look i, I think I i'd be lying if i said i'd be lying if i said he, he's annoyed me and he'd probably say the same he's i've annoyed him but i no i we haven't had it like a, a fight no none at all um it, it you know if, if anything if if we're frustrated with each other it's, it's probably because that we're spending too much time with each other yeah. more than anything it's um but yeah, um, we actually work quite well. We've actually, yeah, we've never had a fight. Um, and I don't know if that's, <laughs> that's a good thing or not, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I find, uh, no, no to answer your question, no. There you go, you've been in lockdown for three months and they say, like, if you're gonna have a fight, then that's when it was gonna occur. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think the closest thing we came to a fight was about two months ago when he, uh, I couldn't beat him at table tennis and he just, he kept throwing <laughs> banter at me and I, I think I snapped, but uh, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> Uh, a few more questions, Michael. Xavier said, uh, what are the key body strengths a race car driver needs? Is it core, arms or neck? What is the best way for a driver to improve their reaction time? Okay, so for, for body weight, um, I, I guess for, for the neck, the neck's important, but it also depends on what grade you're racing at. 
and then that will determine how how important the neck is but yeah i, I definitely always say it's a fundamental neck and core are your two your two main uh i guess your main areas that you want to keep strong um you know you, you do want to keep your, your shoulders quite strong relatively strong too because you know there's an element of control on the steering wheel so um i think for a bank bank for your buck exercise the push-up is great a correct push-up is great because if you're doing push-ups correctly you're working you're working your chest you're working your, your shoulders and you're also working your core so it's um it's a great bang for your buck body weight exercise that i we we do a lot when we are restricted for for equipment um i just it just yeah it, it just makes sense I don't know if you've got it over there, but over here we've got the push-up challenge happening for mental, for men's mental health. And ah, yes, I've seen that. And seeing all the bad techniques, I feel like as a keyboard warrior, I want to write down. Yeah, yeah. But I'm hearing what you're saying, but seeing all these guys doing these push-ups really fast and does my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Flipping Mad Motorsports, Michael asks: Is it better to do more strength training or cardio as a racing car driver? Again, depends. Um, I would say to answer a question like that, um, be honest with yourself, um, do, do a self-evaluation and find out what your weaknesses are. If, if you know, if your weaknesses are that you, you, you find that you're fatiguing the last 10 laps of a race, well then why are you fatiguing? Um, you know, is it, is it your fitness? Is it your strength? You, you, you know, you have to be honest with yourself and, and find where your weak points are and uh and and work on them and turn them into a strength but i'd say as a general rule of thumb it's 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 equal you need to work on both elements i agree and karen asks, can you ask what he does in the way of strength and conditioning training in the gym please <laughs> yeah cool um okay we do a whole range of exercises and it always changes but as a rule of thumb, I, I do like the, the compound movements. I think the compound movements um, are very important with any athlete. So the compound movements being um, bench press, squatting, um, bent over rows and deadlifts. Um, I do have to be careful with Daniel a bit because uh, he puts on muscle very, very easily on his legs. So uh, I actually can't, I can't, uh, I can't work his legs too much. But um, I think the most consistent thing that we do in the gym would be um it's an exercise called stir the pot so it works it works your core and it also works yep yeah, and it, yeah on a on an ex big exercise ball and it's really good for scapular mobile um scapular stability which is really good for um for steering so that's that's an exercise i love i love a weighted kozak squat um the reason why i love a, a weighted kozak squat because i think it's just one of the most premium mobility exercises that anyone can do when it comes to ankle mobility knee mobility hip mobility um, I think that's a really, really good exercise to do in the gym. Um, and I also, I also like overhead movements, um, standing overhead movements. Um, I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great core, core and, um, core and, and great for strength as well. So there, there's some three, three, um, elements you could easily incorporate in, into your strength training. And I think you'll, you'll find some, you'll get some really quick gains. Are the sessions long, Michael, that you're doing in the gym? I wouldn't imagine so. No, no it, it, maximum 45 minutes. Uh, if, you know, if you, fundamentally you should be working at 45 minutes and you should be wrecked, right? right that's <laughs> but, what uh, yeah, but, but again, it depends on the athlete. It depends on, on, on what you're trying to achieve. But in, in the gym, we're, we're not in there for longer than, we're not working for longer than 45. Um, obviously, if you include warm up, warm down, then 
that's different. But um, but yeah, we're not working for longer than 45 minutes. Fantastic. So you have had an unusual run-up into the first round this year. You guys have been mm-hmm. locked down in Daniel's Palm over in Perth for three months. And like you said, you've just been trying to utilise equipment and body weight training over there. Um, when did you go back to the UK and what have you been doing and in preparation for the upcoming race? I got back here about three weeks ago. Um, so um, I'm not with Daniel at the moment. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just making sure. <laughs> yes. So I'm I'm not actually with um Daniel at the moment. Um so I we we will um join forces tomorrow. So I've sent him a plan. So um he's he's got a bit of a, a training schedule that he has to achieve um every day. So I'll get seven days with him as of tomorrow before we head off to Austria for the first race. So that's a, again another little uh training period that we'll spend together in Monaco. But um, it's it's kind of just keeping momentum, really, from the last three months that we've had in Perth, um, building up to it, really. So it's just kind of just, yeah, building up momentum and just keep keeping that training load going and making sure he's staying healthy. And I know, Michael, you mentioned that you just train, like, for the season, periodization, and then recovery during the in-season. But is there any tracks that you actually train specifically for? I mean, Singapore being in the night race, do you train differently for that? Um, um, some of those hotter countries like Dubai and stuff, is, is there specific training measures that you have to put up in the lead up to those events? Um, for like Budapest, Singapore and yeah, in, in the United Emirates, we, we usually do some heat acclimation training like 10 days out. So just getting him used to getting him used to the heat. So doing a session and then sticking him in a sauna for about 15 minutes. Um, and that, that, that's, uh, you know, research shows that actually helps with endurance as well. Um, so, yes, to answer your question, we do. Oh, only 10 weeks out. That's, that's good. I thought it was Sorry, um, <laughs> ten, 10 days out, 10 <laughs> days out. So, so out. The, yeah, there's, yeah, obviously, if, if you have, if you, if we, if we had longer, we would. But um, there, there's studies out there that show that 10 days is sufficient to, 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 to help. So, and, and to improve. So, um, yeah, that's usually how we go about it. Usually Budapest, Singapore. Um, and then, yeah, Abu Dhabi too. Fantastic. So, Michael, just wrapping up tonight, I really appreciate all the time you've given us over the past hour. I've got lots out of it, no doubt our um, listeners have as well. But you're not just a performance coach for a Formula One driver. You also have an online fitness um, coaching programs for general populations. Um, can you tell mm-hmm. us about those? Yeah, it's pretty much trying to get back to my, my grassroots of training people. Um, you know, I, it's after, you know, two years with Daniel, I, I kind of wanted to, you know, after everything I've learned, I've, I, I, I still want to give back. You know, I still miss, you know, working in, in a gym in Perth and, tra- and training all these people. It's, it's, it's still very re- rewarding. So I've set up this platform, um, www.michaelitalian.com, where um, I'm going to be putting out premium programs, um, mainly all uh, in-home um, programs actually so you can do stuff at home um, I'm doing a heap of nutrition as well so you can heap heap of uh, healthy recipes um, and then obviously I'm going to move into um, a bit more specialized stuff for um, motorsports so amateur drivers that want that need and want some uh, some uh, some information regarding training nutrition um, you know jet lag protocols all that kind of stuff that's not really out there um, it is but you can't really find it in one source you got to kind of go through a few sources to get all that kind of information. So um, 
yeah, I'm really excited. Um, it's it's a it's a platform where you can you can follow your programs on your phone. You can you can track your weight. You can track your notes. Um, it's it's a proper goal setting programs, um, a five week program. So uh, yeah, and it's it's I've had a really good uh, uh, first impression with it, and it's gonna it's gonna forever grow. But uh, yeah, it's my it's my little side hobby away from Daniel, which is it's good to have. You know, when you wanna you, you need something away from F one when uh, you, you know you need a bit of a break. Yeah, and is this the ultimate goal for Michael? Like, what's the, the grand plan for Michael Italiano? Um, coaching. <laughs> The grand plan is to win a world championship with Daniel. That's the grand plan. But, uh, but yes, there's, there's, I, have some, uh, I have some big aspirations for this website and, and how I want it to go. And um, I think if, if you stay, if you stay, uh, if you stay in, uh, on track with it all and, and you want to stay up to date with it all, you'll see it's going gonna, it's gonna to evolve quite quickly over the next one or two years. And, and I'm going to put a ton of information on there. Um, takes time. But uh, it will be uh, it will be quite a good um, resource and website for, for health and fitness, and also for people that are that are training in motor motorsports, but also if they're interested in motorsports as well. Yeah, but you did put out a lot of free content over on your Instagram account. What is yep. your Instagram handle so people can go over and follow it? Because I'm very impressed with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, it's at Michael Italiano. So. Yeah, I do. Um, I post a lot of uh, free weekly workouts, like home circuit workouts, um, free recipes, healthy healthy recipes, and a lot of uh, me and Daniel's training. So you can get exclusive access to how me and Daniel train and what we're training. Um, so yeah, that's 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 usually what I do. I, li- I like to, you know, share a bit of our life and, and my life and, and what my job entails. Well, I appreciate it. And I know lots of my fans and Daniel's fans appreciate it as well. So thank you for giving us an thank insight you. behind what you do um, as your career and also insight into how a Formula 1 driver does train. I really appreciate your time, Michael. And again, how can people follow you? What's your website address? Yeah, so if you want to follow me, my main main two uh, platforms would be my website. So www.michaelitaliano.com and my Instagram at Michael Italiano. So get a ton of content there, ton of free free stuff. So uh, yeah, check it out. Well, all the very best for 2020. What is the remainder of a crazy, crazy, crazy year? Uh, no doubt, I assume that you'll be working with Daniel in 2021. So hopefully it'll be a little bit more exciting next year. New race team next year um, for you guys. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> new uniform new space um so all the very best and um yeah i'd love to have you back on once you've got that motorsport program up and running and we can talk a little bit more in depth about that for sure i'd love to thanks belinda thank you very much michael for your time thank you bye-bye Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Now, remember all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could head to iTunes or Stitcher, type in motorsport coaching, subscribe and leave us a review. Each week, I'll read them out and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at Motivate to Tea. Until next time, take care.